if you had one piece of advice to give to a person who wants to succeed in your field, what would it be? First, I have to think what is my field. Yeah. Let me push you in one direction. Uh -huh. yeah. Not merely as an academic historian, but as a public intellectual, someone who's actually making a very hmm. accessible and effective contribution to our wider conversation. You have to be relevant. I mean, you have to connect whatever is your field, it's history, it's physics, it's medicine, whatever. You have to make it relevant to the everyday life of the, of the average person. I mean, that's, I think, is the whole secret of writing popular science. Hmm. That there, is, there are enough books and articles out there which deal with a very, you know, minute detail that interests only a few professors. And it's very important. I mean, without these articles and books, I couldn't write my own books. I wouldn't have the, the material, the data. But when you write about something in a popular science book, the, the, the question should always be, where does it meet the average reader in her or his day-to-day -day life? What, if anything, do you wish you had done differently in your 20s or 30s? Hmm. I tend not to think about the, the, <laughs> these issues of you know regretting things that could have done could have could have gone I mean I, I wish I had less regrets when I was when I was far more preoccupied in my, in my 20s about what what I could have done differently than I am now mm. and I think that if I had this attitude in my 20s it would have saved me a lot of uh, uneasy hours yeah yeah spoken like a true meditator 10 years from now what do you think you'll regret doing too much of or too little of at this point in your life? Oof. <laughs> I have no idea where I will be 10 years from now. Mm. I think I am too much involved. I got too much caught up in the immediate political issues of the day. Mm. And, uh, you know, from somebody who takes the really long-term view, I, I spend too much time on the immediate concerns and issues of the day, which is understandable. But I think both for me personally and also for society as a whole, we need people to continue thinking about the really macro level, about the long term, even in the midst of the worst crisis. Mm. That's a great one. I'm going to take that one for myself as well. <laughs> that applies perfectly. What is something that you're right about? that is very controversial? Oh, a lot of things. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, homosexuality, I'm completely convinced there is absolutely nothing wrong with two men loving each other or having sex or getting married. And I know it's fairly controversial in, a, in many cultures today, have been very controversial throughout history, and I'm 100% certain that I'm right. Yeah, although, although I would say that the controversy has faded so impressively in our circles that I can't even score that as controversial. What, what is something that's controversial mm. among the sorts of people you and I tend to meet and spend a lot of time among Ooh, and, and, and respect? That's a good question. Hmm. I need to think about it for a moment. I think one of the issues that we, again, talked about at the very beginning of, of, of nationalism, I think in our circles, it's kind of almost imperative to disparage nationalism as, as far as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's a mistake. Again, I made the distinction between the, the, the good side of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of nationalism. And I'm quite convinced that uh, at least the good side of nationalism has been one of the best developments in human history. 
And I would say this is pretty con- controversial in the cir- circles that uh, you and me share. Yeah, yeah. What book would you recommend that everyone or more or less everyone read? I know there are many, but what comes to mind as a book that you, you would push on almost anyone interested? Almost anyone, I'm not sure, but I, I just read the, the Future We Choose by Christiana Figueres and Tom Karnak. Christiana is uh, she's the architect of the Paris Agreement of mm-hmm. 2015. And it's a quite a short book about uh, climate change and the challenges we face. And it's a very optimistic book. It's a very, it's a, it's a call to action, indicating what we can still do to create a far better world. And yeah, I, I would highly recommend it, because, especially because it's not just a good read. It really is an important call to action. Nice. What negative experience, one that you would not wish to repeat, has most profoundly changed you for the better? Well, well again, I talked about it so much, but, but, but that's the truth. I mean, growing up gay in a homophobic society mm-hmm. is something that I would rather not to have gone through, but it certainly, I think, shaped my life and, and shaped it for, for the better. I think my ability f- to show compassion to people in different situations would not really benefit from, from this painful experience. Mm. What most worries you about our collective future? Oh, so many things. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're the wrong guy to ask this question. Of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I talked about technology so much. So yeah, I mean, again, and, and this goes back to my experience as a meditator. The idea that uh, a system out there, not necessarily a bad system, but maybe an uncaring system or an, uh, an indifferent system, would understand me and would understand most humans better than they understand themselves and therefore would be able to manipulate them in ways which were previously unimaginable. This I find extremely scary from from a spiritual viewpoint. Mm. You know, there are many terrible things that people can do to each other and all kinds of calamities from epidemics to asteroids from outer space. But this kind of scenario I think really undermines the kind of uh, deepest meaning of, of human life. And uh, I, this is something that I'm, I'm really worried about. Mm. If you could solve just one mystery as a historian or scientist or thinker, what would it be? Uh, consciousness, where it is coming from, how does it function? But, you know, that's, that's the big one. Yeah. If you could resurrect one person from history and put them in our world today and give them the benefit of a modern education, if necessary, who would you bring back to help the team? I'm kind of expected to say Buddha, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I tend not to believe in the great men theory of history, mm-hmm. that it's all about finding the, I mean... I don't know, you, you look at the political scene today in the US or at the democratic primaries. So I don't think it's a question of lack of really good people out there. It's a question of what kind of system do we establish that brings people up and what kind of, of tools the leaders have in their hands. So I... I would change the institutions and instead of 
hoping for some savior from a different era to emerge, materialize, and, and solve everything. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if Lincoln or uh, Roosevelt would run for president today, pff, who knows right. <laughs> if they would even get past the first uh, hurdle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, finally, the Jurassic Park question. If we're in a position to mm. recreate the T-Rex, should we do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. 